patient. Again and again and again and again. It takes time for real insight to get embedded. People often need to hear and experience the insight multiple times in multiple ways. This reality can be difficult for a facilitator or anyone to accept. We want to see progress after all. Patience is the reminder that the growth process is always being realized. A deeper way. Foundational tenant number six. I'm Casey Lanko. And I'm Tim Johansson. And welcome to Psychology at Work. Welcome back, everyone, to Psychology at Work. We are winding down Season 5 very, very quickly. Uh, Today, we're joined by a few Deeper Way Certified Facilitators to continue our discussion on be patient again. So it's it's a it's a robust discussion. So let's introduce who we have with us so we can get right into it. First off, for more than 20 years, she has empowered those she serves and works with in the senior living industry, sort of a, a theme of all of our guests today. She is the talent development director at Ecumen, where she supports team member experience growth, and education. Her background in organizational leadership, along with the Deeper Way framework, allows her to support those working in the healthcare industry while honoring their individuality and unique needs. This is Christy Johnson. Our next guest is Dustin Lee. He's the CEO and president at Prairie Senior Cottages, an organization dedicated to serving those living with memory loss. He is a passionate and relentless advocate for those touched by all forms of dementia. Dustin has spent his career working in the healthcare industry, gaining valuable experiences in managing home health care agencies, traditional and memory care assisted livings. Additionally, Dustin served 23 years in the U.S. Army and U.S. Air Force Reserve with one deployment in Iraq. He credits the experience he gained in the military in helping to prepare him for leadership. And finally, Michelle Rivard serves as the Learning and Development Manager at Ecumen, one of the nation's leading providers of senior living and healthcare services. Michelle's major areas of focus include team member onboarding, career development, and education. Michelle has been in a deeper way certified facilitator for several years, I think actually from the first cohort, and loves the opportunity to help team members discover and use their unique talents. Michelle, by the way, holds a master's degree in communication and a graduate certificate in post-secondary teaching. Let's get into it. Welcome, everyone. CJ, Michelle, Dustin, thank you for joining us on Psychology at Work, brought to you by The Deeper Way. So our listeners can... We can see you, but they can't see you. Uh, let's do a quick round of self-intro so we can hear your voices, and then we will dive into talking about tenant number six. I'm going to go by the order on my screen. So, CJ, welcome. Woo-hoo, thanks. Um, Christy Johnson, everybody. Oh, these This group all calls me CJ. Um, so glad to be here. Thank you, guys. And I am a member of the learning De- and development team at Ecumen. Thanks, CJ. Michelle. 
Hi, Casey. Hi, Tim. Glad to be here. Michelle Rivard, I am also on the learning and development team with CJ at Ecumen. And our final panelist uh, today, Mr. Dustin Lee. Yeah, well, hey, everybody. It's great to see you um, and talk to you. Um, I'm Dustin Lee. I am the president of Prairie Senior Cottages, and we are a greater Minnesota uh, dementia care provider. Very good. So we sort of have the the senior living uh, world here represented uh, across the, the continuum today. Today, it has been a journey, and we have made it to our final discussion of the final tenant. Be patient. Are we the final episode? You, we will have one more episode to, to wrap, but you are the penultimate oh, episode. I'm... I love the word penultimate. Word. I use it all the time. It's such a good word. It's <laughs> it such, is a, good such word. a good word. So yes, you are the penultimate episode of season five uh, in which we are being patient again and again and again and again. And and the reality is you could have infinity agains uh, that you place on there. So let's just toss it up the big open-ended question. When you think about this tenant, when you hear this tenant, and anyone can just jump in, what comes up for you? Well, I would kick it off uh, when I was kind of preparing for this. I think the big thing that came up for me is what makes me impatient? Mm. And I was listening to, to season one, uh, or no, episode one, season five, and and just this overview of mm. what are those things that hook you, that make you impatient? And um, that was a really great self-journaling ex- exercise nice. to really dig into that. And, and ultimately, I think what I came down with was fear. Fear mm-hmm. makes you impatient. Mm-hmm. Most oftentimes, it's stupid things like the fear of time, <laughs> the fear of time running out. Oh, you're preaching my language. <laughs> right? And then I heard you, you say that... <laughs> yeah. um, yeah, we forget almost every moment of every day. And it was just a really aha moment for me. Like, why am I being so impatient with my time? Yeah. Why is that? A, why, why am I afraid of that? So anyway, that was one of the first things that came up for me was digging into that a little bit. Nice. The first thing that came up for me is a phrase I've been repeating for a long time. My background's in higher ed. And the phrase that came up... Um, to me was repeat, repeat, repeat. Hmm. And I've been saying this for as long as I've been in higher ed, because it's the only way that any of us learn anything, right? Is through constant repetition. So we don't get to play the piano once and then we're suddenly experts. Yeah. We don't get to, I know. We don't get to learn a concept once and master it. We have to constantly repeat, repeat, repeat. And so I thought of that, you know, as CJ was talking about impatience. With patience, we have to keep repeating, repeating, (laughs) repeating. Yeah. So it's a super important point, which we will certainly revisit. Dustin, how about for you? Yeah, I I could just build on what Christy and and Michelle said. Um, I immediately, when when I looked at this... I asked myself, what is the motivator again? And it's fear, it's self-protection. And then I started thinking about um, myself and anytime I've ever hurried something, um, 
it usually doesn't get the result mm. I want. And as I've aged and, and reflect, um, anything that I've ever done in my life that's worthwhile was not easy. And, and it took a lot of time and, and, and not to compare anybody to children. But, you know, as I look at this, I think of a parent, you know, I mean, a, a great parent is one who is patient again and again and again and who's kind and who's loving. And, and regardless of your age or regardless of your stage, everybody needs and deserves kindness and, lo and love. And then kind of to Michelle's point about, um, you know, the continued practice, process, practice, and those are those are my words, but that's that's what I was hearing is what she was saying is you got to practice, process, practice, process. I, I go back to, I think it's a, a tall Gawande, and he wrote a phenomenal article about the power of incremental change. Mm. I think that as we're trying to change organizations or change our own cultures, we've got to go small steps you know, small steps become the good, good foundation. So that's what came to mind for me. I, I think the first thing that's coming up for me, and this can transition into maybe how you see this playing out in your various organizations and roles, but I know in my own work with individuals, teams, myself, friends and colleagues, you know, everyone, there's this very common frustration that you experience where someone does get some insight and, or someone does like go through maybe an experience of learning or, um, you know, they go through a team development session. And in that moment, it's making so much sense, you know, really excited. And like, Oh, and then two weeks later, nothing's different. <laughs> What's going on there? Casey, I've got a, a kind of a funny analogy that I think of as it relates to that. Does everyone remember that little movie that was out called Titanic? Yeah, yeah it's that little <laughs> film. <laughs> you may have heard of it. <laughs> there's the scene. Hear me out. It seems really strange, but there's the scene. The Titanic is headed right towards this giant iceberg, right? Yes. And the instructions have Don't been given. Spoil it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never let go, Tim. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's going right towards this giant iceberg, and they've given the direction to whomever runs the ship: turn it hard astern. So, like all of the the. I don't know anything about boats. <laughs> uh, sounds like you do. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> engines, and engines or whatever, like the rudder, I guess, is yeah, turning that makes all sense. the way to the left. And they're still headed straight towards the iceberg. And they're saying, why aren't we turning? Why aren't we turning? Why aren't we turning? And then suddenly they turn. And so that was a really silly analogy. But when I think about it, we don't see the changes that are happening. We don't see that we've turned the steering wheel or whatever <laughs> drives a boat. Steering wheel. That's good. <laughs> so we're, we feel like we're headed towards one direction and we think, why isn't anything changing? We don't see that things are changing. We can't wow. see all the work and sudden, until suddenly we do. That's good, Michelle. 
Is it or is that a bizarre analogy? I think it's 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 all of it. It's wonderful and it's bizarre, but it's great. <laughs> I think that that what you just explained there gets to kind of the the I want to say messy part, but the risky part of being in relationship is trusting that that's going on even when I don't see it. Trusting that the other person is growing and changing in their way, even though I don't see it yet. I think they, in ourselves too. I, I was going to say. I think in ourselves right. too, you know, because, well, I'll, I'll certainly be the first to say, I, I expect immediate results from most everything, <laughs> right? Patience is my, my lifelong chief development opportunity. And to really, there's almost like a, a leap of faith in if you are engaging in something, I didn't, I don't remember which one of you said that it doesn't even need to be like this grand thing, but you know, even if you're taking a few minutes every day to reflect on yourself, right? That's something it's going to have an impact and it might not be that moment. It might not be the next day, but stuff is happening. And I think how I equate that sort of to the, the parallel of the therapeutic process, I can be working with someone for six months and every week they're talking about the same thing. Right. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, okay, how are we still talking about this? <laughs> right. That's my thing. Right. My, I'm impatient. Uh, and then all of a sudden the next week, something moved and it was moving the whole time, right, to Michelle's piece. It was moving the whole time. But for it to really break free, right, sometimes it, that's going to take quite a while. And I think the, the thing that is really necessary from my perspective is to not, not to discount and invalidate the frustration that comes from not seeing and experiencing the change. Right. Cause I think it's, it's easy to just say, well, you know, don't be frustrated. It takes time. That's not helpful. <laughs> right. Cause I am frustrated and it takes time. Right. Both, both are true. I'm curious, you know, in, in your, each of you working with individuals and teams in different ways and different roles from different perspectives, how do you see this tenant playing out? Any, any examples you can think of? from sort of your daily work with, with helping others grow and develop. I see all kinds of heads. So this will be a good round robin. Well, I can, I can add in a couple comments here, but it's one that Michelle and I facilitated together. And this individual, I think what comes up often is, is you're going to sit down and have a conversation with a team member and you're, you're really hoping to get some great insights. And this team member is like, yep, I'm here to get my insights. <laughs> and you get this presentation of who they think you want them to be. And yeah. I think the first step that sometimes you have to just be patient. I would say it probably took 
at least two hours of different facilitations for this individual to actually just be real with us. Mm. Like, and, and then, (laughs) so then we could finally get to a point where, and, and truly that was, I think a huge breakthrough for her too. Like, Hey, I can just show up and be myself. What, what am I doing here? Trying to be somebody who I think everybody wants me to be. So that comes up for me. Michelle, what would you add to that? Yeah, I think that's exactly it. And giving permission for someone to show up as themselves. Because if we had said immediately, like, hey, it's okay, you can be yourself. Um, I don't even know that this person recognized that mm-hmm. how that she perhaps wasn't being, she was clearly being very authentic. But um, you have to build that trust and that takes patience and that takes time. Well, what I'm hearing there is, is, you know, which we've talked about before, you can use the words. Yeah, this is a safe place and you get to be who you are. Right. But that's a felt experience. The, the truth of that for the individual. And, you know, people can say all the time, anything they want to say, but unless someone has a felt experience of actually feeling safe. It doesn't really matter what we say. So I appreciate that point, Michelle. Sometimes, you know, it takes a while for the body to realize that, yeah, I can, I can be here. Dustin, anything that's coming up for you around this idea of your, in your day-to-day world? Well, I, where I see leaders fail with this and to include myself is I think that Oftentimes we're good at telling people what they need to do. We're good at explaining what it is that they need to do. Um, But what oftentimes I feel though, that we fail to competency test them in their ability to, to do what the lesson was just um, what, what the, what the topic or the the lesson goal was. And, And I think that that's sometimes what gets leaders into trouble is, is, you know, we're, we're in a hurry. Time is our most precious resource, at least is for me. And I don't think I'm very unique. And, and again, leaders are probably good at telling people what to do, but they're not necessarily always good at demonstrating, observing, and then measuring for competence. And, and then we as leaders will get frustrated because we'll say, well, I told them that they needed to do this. Yeah. And, and I'll give a, an, another example with what you said, and this, this is something that drives me absolutely nuts and we're doing it wrong. And we're doing our entire industry, especially the people that we're serving a disservice and it's a gross disservice. And that's for dementia care standards. You train to time. Now they're redoing the rules to say that you have to also train to competence, but how many hours of training can the human brain absorb at one period of time and then be competent? Mm-hmm. I fail or I believe that our industry as a whole is failing horribly on how we train people because we don't study what I think is the psychology of either training or learning. And um, but we're, we're great at training. We're great at workshops. We're great at the latest flavor, you know, as, as you shared uh, during your video a few weeks ago about uh, DEI training. You know, we're good at doing that. But are we really? And, and I think it's because we are 
kind of a hurry up society sometimes that it's, you got to train to the rule and get it done. And I don't think that's always um, effective. So kind of makes me think of what CJ said earlier about we, we forget most everything (laughs) from the day and kind of ties to a bit of interesting research that we are, when we have a three hour lecture and we, as a, you know, if we're receiving that information and then we're tested on it the next day, we forget 90% of that three hour lecture. That's on average. Like that's everybody forgets 90% of what we heard the first time. And I think it's interesting because it ties to me to what you were all saying earlier about fear and like we can so easily access that felt sense of fear, maybe not acknowledge that that's what it is, but that pushes us into the next moment and away from this one. And we forget that learning is actually really uncomfortable and it always hooks our insecurities. And so when we're being taught something new and we're not really understanding this, what we're actually doing is running away from the the content because we're running away from our insecurities to get to the next moment where I don't feel so fill in the blank. That's why I think learning is so hard. Also, then I kind of think of what Michelle said about we we still are learning things even if we haven't connected it because it it it's it's in there somewhere. So it's not like it's lost. It's just it's in there somewhere. And I think it's that uncomfortable fear that keeps us from finding it sometimes or maybe accessing it. But can can I offer an, a different perspective? Please. <clears throat> I can don't I give know. you the old teacher joke first? Let's hear it. I don't know. Can you? <laughs> May I offer? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, I, um, I see where you're going, Dustin, but I don't feel comfortable saying that we're failing miserably and uh, at all. And especially because CJ and I are in learning and development. <laughs> so I, that's not, and, and so uh, neither, I don't think either one of us feel comfortable with that at all. Um, so I'm thinking about, you know, Tim, when you just said that we forget 90% of something, there's this German statistician from the 1800s Germany. Oh, from 50s. German. Yeah. yeah. 1850s. From Germany. Yeah. This German, German guy <laughs> and named Ebbinghaus. And um, he proposed um, this notion about the rate of forgetting and how quickly it goes down. But here's where, uh, you know, if you go back and repeat something, Repeat, you guys know this, you guys teach, um, repeat after one day, repeat after five days, repeat after a month, then it's locked in, like how you can remember lyrics from songs you had when you were, you know, listened to when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's something at least that CJ and I like to focus on recognizing, of course, it can't be one and done. Oh, um, you want to learn about dementia? Here you go. Now, you know, everything. Right. Constantly reinforce it. Yeah. What is the, uh, the ultimate is seven times repeated. Am I right on that, Michelle? Yeah. Seven times repeated. And then, um, then it's, uh, and and at strategic points, right. It can't be seven times in one day because you're not remember, but the next day, a week, three months later, six months later, and not just 
and not just repeated verbally, right? You have to have the chance to apply it as well. So, yes. Good point. I think what's really important actually for sort of whatever word you put, want to put on it, facilitator, leader, teacher, trainer, whatever, because this is what I have to consciously remember and remind myself of all the time. And I've actually gotten a lot better at it. I think it's more difficult for the people who already know it to realize and remember that someone else doesn't, you know, to Dustin's point, most people who are in sort of those training roles, they're, they're tasked with a large responsibility. um, And there's so much information to disseminate and they know it. Right. And once you know something fairly well, it actually becomes common sense. That's kind of how you know you know it, right? Because, oh, yeah, it makes complete sense. Probably never forget that now. But to Tim's point, all learning is uncomfortable because we don't know it. And that's actually inherently disruptive, right? A change to what we thought we knew, that's a disruption. (laughs) And so I have to really be intentional quite often to say, this makes so much sense to me that sometimes it feels silly to say it out loud because obviously everyone else knows this, but that's not true. That's not true. And I think it's something I experienced that both as an educator, but, but also as a, as a therapist, as a psychologist, as a coach, it's like, well, obviously this person sees like what's going on for them, but I've now since trained my mind to go, no, they obviously don't. Otherwise they wouldn't be sitting here in front of me. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> mm. And so those stories that we tell ourselves about how, oh, well, everyone obviously understands that it's almost never true. Th- that just seems to fit in here somehow. I don't know how, what or why, but I, I felt compelled to offer that piece. Well, Casey, when you're saying that something's coming up for me, I think, you know, so we're kind of talking about learning in general, right? But when we talk about facilitating or really to see real insights, we're working with individuals to help them understand their relationship with themselves, their relationship with others. And so I think, I mean, it just proves the point. You have to be patient, not only with them, but yourself as the facilitator that they're the subject matter expert here, right? Mm. We're we're talking about them (laughs) and we're trying to help nudge them or help them gain an insight to something that they're like, well, this is common sense for me, but it's like, "Eh, it actually might not be the best (laughs) way to do that or might not be the best path, even though it is common sense for you. So, I mean, I, I just think you're, you're working, pushing uphill something that's extra hard. I'd be curious for us to to talk about as I feel like we haven't we we touched on it a little bit, but to kind of go into it more, and I, I could talk about it for a long time. As the person wearing the we just use the generous term facilitator hat, how do you actually do this one? The idea of be patient again and again and again and again. So I'm curious just. What's that like for you all? Let's just talk about our lived experience of of sitting with in the chair with the obvious perspective from our perspective and then seeing that the other person isn't there yet 
And then what do you do? How do you try to get back to that um, being patient again and again and again? I think for me, I'll jump in briefly. I'll try to be brief. Recognizing that when I'm impatient, I'm experiencing my own disruption. I'm actually disrupted right then. And and we've talked about this, and I'm convinced of this more and more every day. <clears throat> there's only one thing, there's only one thing we have to worry about if we want to grow. And it's when I'm disrupted, look in and say, what is hooking me? And it's so tempting to say, well, you're disrupting me. And, or the other form of it is I'm not disrupted. Right. And like stay fighting so hard against accepting that I am. And I can spend all my time like intellectually in that fog up there. But I think to Kate, to your question, Casey, for me, it's a, a practice I've been trying to be conscious of quite a bit more lately is, you know, I'm being patient with someone because they're not changing. And when I lose that patience, it's actually a disruptive event for me. And just going back to what's hooking, what is being hooked inside of me? Well, and along those lines, Tim, sometimes if I feel like somebody isn't getting to where I think they should get, which is problematic in, in itself, but right. sometimes I turn that inward too. And I think, am I not being clear? Uh, am I presenting this correctly? Yeah. Is there a better way to do this? Uh, because I must be doing something wrong if mm. you're not getting there yet, which I, again, I recognize that can be problematic. Uh, language to say to yourself, but sometimes I feel like that too. Like, wow, we have talked about this before. What, how, how are you not getting it? It must be because I'm not saying it right. Or. Mm. I I love that Michelle, because I actually think that certainly, I think if we're going to put goods and bads on the table, which we try to not do, but that's probably a more helpful place to start from. Right. Which is, you know, how am I contributing to this? Maybe not moving along and, and what a wonderful practice. And to your point and to bring in what Tim is saying too, that that's, that's also sort of a more honest question around what our fear is actually really about right in those moments. Cause the frustration is is usually gosh i'm i must not be good enough cuz this person isn't making any progress right but instead of saying that right we usually go well they're just not working hard enough so i, I kind of have two things that i think are coming up for me and um the first one is is quite simple and you guys do it all the time but silence when i'm recognizing that little hook i i just i need to just stop and, and, and allow the silence to fill the space. And I think there's so many great times that real insights come from silence. So that's the easy one. But the other thing that is coming up for me is that I think it's not just, you can't just be patient when you're with some, okay, I'm going to 
facilitating session. I'm going to be patient now. Um, <laughs> it's a practice that you have to do all the time. So that's, you know, when you're driving and when you're cooking dinner and when your husband doesn't load the dishwasher the way you want him to load it, <laughs> it's practicing that um, as a consistent throughout. Yeah. That's such a good point. And what what comes up for me there is that it actually starts with ourselves, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It starts with being patient with ourselves. Easier said than done. That's where I was going to go, uh, Casey, is, um, you know, the thing that I keep on asking myself, and I'm going to kind of step away from the question and then see if we can come back into it. But if you have one person in a room who is, um, they don't have the same power as you. And they're anxious, they're fearful, they're worried, you know, they don't think that they, you know, they're, you know, in, you know, you come into the room and you say, I have power and I'm here to help. (laughs) Um, If that other person can't get to a place where they feel safe, I'm asking myself this question, how effective is any interaction? And, And so, you know, so uh, in, in my situation, I have the ultimate power in every interaction with 160 employees and all these families and, and all of that. And I wonder if the other person, again, if, if they don't feel safe, if they don't feel secure, if they don't feel that they can trust, I just wonder how effective or patient that relationship or interaction is going to be. I, I, you know, maybe to oversimplify what I'm trying to get at is that if, if you have an employee who's just red hot, angry, and that's me watering it down. I mean, they, they are at a 11, you know, they're, they're hyper defensive. They are in complete self-protection mode. If you don't get that person to a safe space, I don't think, I think that you're probably going to walk out of the room with two people upset or frustrated. And and then at least for me being the person with with the power, and now that I'm finally even admitting that because I'm not comfortable with with my role at times or yeah. with my um, the ability to recognize that un, unless that person truly feels safe, I don't know if your interaction is going to be as fruitful as you would like to think it would be. I think that's probably a rule. I mean, and and I I actually do think that there are degradations of safety you know there's various functions that that we can do but you know there's sort of a theoretical question in there that i'm hearing which is you know if you are a person with more power in the relationship and the other individual isn't feeling safe does that mean you are are causing harm yeah that is a hugely deep question because and I've never thought about it that way, but that is true. You know, so in to, to what Christy was saying earlier, you know, silence is so powerful. Um, I wish I would have learned that 25 years ago. <laughs> what that sort of opening command, if you will, be patient again and again and again and again and again. And then, and then the, the addition of the final sentence, patience is a reminder that the growth process is always being realized. I think something that that both pieces reinforce is that there is no end point, that there is no point of arrival to, oh, well, now I'm self-aware. Now, now I'm 
I'm grounded once and for all forever. And that in that is, is both kind of some comfort because yeah, it's not a race. There is no, I'm not behind necessarily, or, you know, those kind of things that can come up. And (laughs) for folks like myself, it's also a sense of frustration because I, I do like progress and I do have sort of a, a, a fast energy about me. And so grappling with both of those things, you know, there's ambivalence in that. I think what, um, what I was going to say, or, you know, to kind of tie it back to all of that is that, and, and Dustin, this goes to kind of with what you were saying about education and how does that work together, but in organizational development, if you want to change an organization, you have to recognize that it's always present. Yeah. Change isn't someplace that you're ever going to get to. Yeah. Change is something that you are always going to have. And I, to just really put a point on, you know, why care profiler, why a deeper way? So I've studied organizational leadership. And then when I look at how you guys do it, and you said it in that first episode, it's you can't um, you can't get organizational development without insights or the why. And you can't get to the why unless you pause with your patients in each moment as a leader and and take time to assess where am I? Where am I going with this? Mm-hmm. And, and it is those incremental changes, Dustin, to your point, that will get there. Um, but it's never, there's, there's no end result. There's no end there. And people want that quick fix. People want that flavor of the month. I think, Michelle, you said earlier, to, to pull that all together. And CJ, I thought that was brilliant how you tied that together. You know, for me, I, I keep on coming back to this word, shame. And, you know, and, and I heard this, uh, I'm not, uh, well, what is the acronym where shame stands for should have already mastered everything. Mm. And, and I've been sharing that with my team because it's shame that keeps us into fear brain in self-protection mode. And then I say, you know, if, if, if shame is your, in Casey, I think it was you who said it, shame always lies, always. Yes. So should have already mastered everything. Anybody who says that they are the master of anything really doesn't live this tenant because the, the process of improvement is never, ever, ever complete. Right. Um, and, and I think it really starts, I'm going back to shame, but it starts with loving kindness and loving kindness of ourselves. Are yeah. we giving ourselves, you know, one of my greatest flaws is I always underestimate how much time it's going to take to complete task always every single one of them and then i wonder why i'm stressed well, if if i had a good mentor who said listen young lad uh this is old kenobi and i'm going to tell you if you think it's going to take you a day plan on two and then you'll set yourself up for success but it, it all starts with inside and, and fighting that shame monster i think and being patient with yourself absolutely absolutely and i think that's actually a really good transition into our rapid fire closing block lightning round here we go michelle what is your truth 
that's the question. <laughs> that's rapid fire. I thought it was going to be like, <laughs> what kind of candy do you like? <laughs> that could be your truth, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is my truth? All of us are connected to one another and humanity needs each other. And I like Twizzlers. <laughs> <laughs> Serving us some truth. I like it. I like it. Dustin, what's your truth? Well, Michelle, I hate to plagiarize you, but I say it all the time. We are all so interconnected. We are all so contagious. And we also need each other. And we need to be careful with what it is that we spread. Christy Johnson. I would just add on a, one little thing, and that is just, you know, use that, step into the light, step into that kind of positive energy, connecting with others, um, and into the best version of yourself. Dustin Lee, what does courage mean to you? Oh, courage to me is turning into what makes you feel uncomfortable and, and um, while trying to be brave and um, focused. Michelle Rivard, what does courage mean to you? Courage is doing it, whatever the it is, even though you're terrified. Doing it anyway. Christy Johnson, what does courage mean to you? Um, courage is not being afraid of failure. Having the grit to keep going and get back up. Falling down one more time than you are. Yeah, getting up one more time than you've fallen down. CJ, back to you for our final question. What is your hope? I am an eternal optimist. And my hope is that the future is, I don't, I don't even know that I would be hopeful of it. I just know. I know that it is amazing that we are stepping into this new awareness of kindness and love and generosity as a people. And so I, I just, I know it's going to happen. And then how can folks find you and what would you like to mention? Yeah, wrap it up. I, I would say you can certainly find me on social media, Christy Johnson. I'm sure the, I'm the only one out there. So you can also um, look me up through Acumen um, and uh, connect with me that way. Awesome. Thank you. That brings us to your close colleague, Michelle Rivard. What's your hope? My hope is that over this next year or two, we, society and humanity, look at what happened in 2020, um, obviously with the pandemic, and we just kind of evaluate, slow down, pause, and I'm hopeful that we will um, look back and say, wow, that was really hard and really painful. And here are some good things that came of it because we had to face this, this, this. Um, so I guess introspection. I'm hopeful that um, there will be some global introspection. And and what are you and CJ kind of working on these days? The two of us are really excited about revamping our leadership program at Ecumen. Cool. And so we're working on that. Very excited for that initiative to be launching in January, 2022. Awesome. We'll be excited to hear more about that as things progress. 
That brings us to our final panelist today, Mr. Dustin Lee. What's your hope? My hope for the future is that people do a better job of um, listening to each other, um, hopefully learning from each other so that we have a better um, foundation of empathy for the other. And how can, how can folks find you? Well, you can find me on social media, um, LinkedIn specifically. <laughs> Very good. And we'll put everyone's anything that anyone wants to share in the show notes so folks can um, find that there. I know Dustin has a lot going on uh, with Perry Senior Cottages around creating that culture of safety um, in both Ecumen and Perry Senior Cottages. It's something that both organizations are committed to and take very seriously. So here, I'll plug both of y'all. If you're, if you're looking for a job, uh, there's two great companies to, to, to look into. Be patient again and again and again and again. It takes time for real insight to get embedded. People often need to hear and experience the insight multiple times in multiple ways. This reality can be difficult for a facilitator or anyone to accept. We want to see progress after all. Patience is the reminder that the growth process is always being realized. A Deeper Way, foundational tenant number six. 